I have toyed around with the idea of making a creating a company that uh, that sells uh, vanity jackets for books. Mm. So you would purchase this jacket and it would specifically be like, you know, how to shut the fuck up, Catherine. And then you'd put it on a book and then you could gift that book to people. That'd, that'd be pretty good. Especially if you could, you could theme it. It's like, you know, how to shut up and it, like they open it and it's like, no, no, take the jacket off. And it's like a self-help me- oh, meditation yeah, book be, or yeah, something. That'd be pretty funny. Happy December, everyone, and welcome back to the Zero Credits Podcast, the show where we talk about things. My name's Holiday Henry. And my name's John. Just and John. To- <laughs> just and just John this time. Not like a fun name. And together it's we're Holiday John. It's just John this time. <laughs> and together we're Holiday Henry and just John. Just just John. Just John this time, not not any funny name. Uh, coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. Uh, John, what, why not the uh, why no holiday theatrics this week? Oh, you know, there's a. Uh, it's. I'm thinking we might cancel the holidays. Who can you know? Who can even do it? I mean, Thanksgiving was fine, but we can just like everything else, just postpone it to 2021. Because as we know, once the clock turns over and it becomes 2021, all of our problems will go away. <laughs> it's not a bad idea to cancel the holidays because, uh, you know, people get together and people let their guard down. And next thing you know, there's a new COVID spike. Yeah. you. I mean, honestly, uh, very real, very accurate. Uh, I don't know if you saw the... I don't know when Canadian Thanksgiving is, nor what they have to be thankful for. Uh, but there was this graph of like the COVID cases in Canada after Canadian Thanksgiving, and it's like logarithmic growth. Yeah, and, and what's what's really bad is that leading up to Thanksgiving itself, uh, at least here in Texas, and I know in Wisconsin and also uh, California, we were already spiking. <laughs> yeah, we we were already hitting the high notes, and we are going to go to worlds yet unseen yeah we're, we're gonna hit like summer levels uh of numbers we haven't seen the likes of since like july summer covid happened so fast <laughs> thanksgiving covid back with a blast 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, terrifying. A lot of people were not safe. Some people were safe. I was I'm a mixture of the two. <laughs> I'm happy to report that while I did partake in medium-risk COVID activities, I can report that uh, as of this very day, John, I know for a fact I do not have COVID. When is the when is the last time you interacted with someone who might have had it? Um, never. I've. Ne- <laughs> well, when's the last time you were around someone? How many days ago? I guess uh, two. Oh, two days ago. Yeah, it's not enough time. Yeah, it takes about five days for you to actually know. Yeah, I found it odd that my company waited until the Tuesday after Thanksgiving to do the COVID tests instead of waiting for a full gestation period. But, uh, you know, as of today, John, I know for a fact that I do not have COVID. Now, did we talk about my COVID testing experience on the podcast? I don't believe we did. Oh, well, let's talk about yours. How was it? It was weird, John. I had to go to my workplace, a place that I have not been on the inside of since March, and talk to people I haven't seen since, like, March. And I I was ushered and escorted everywhere I went because I was an outsider and thus a risk. And I was ushered into a conference room covered in medical supplies with... I want to I want to get the number right. Um, about too too many people in there helping out administer tests. Um, it was like the most people I've been in confines with in a small room. They're all medical professionals though, so I guess it's safe. And uh, they wipe down the chair that I have to sit in, not for the swab, but for the pre-swab interview. And I sit down in this chair and I look to my left and on a laptop. Over a Zoom call is my boss. Oh, no. And he's just watching. And, and like, I'm quickly directed to, like, don't look at him. There's a doctor over here, and she's going to ask you some questions. Yeah, Um, please look at the shiny doctor, not the boss. Yeah, look at the doctor who isn't in the room. Is in via telepresence. Uh, Don't look at your boss who is listening in on the entire thing. Uh, Great. For my COVID test, I actually, because uh, you get yours done through a private entity, uh, right. my COVID test was done through a civic entity uh, through the city of Austin. So there was no pre-COVID interview. I just kind of rolled up in a line full of cars and they said, tilt your head back. And then I was violated. Yeah, right. I, that's the thing. I didn't really get the point of the pre-swab interview. Like if the swab is going to tell you if I have COVID or not, why does it matter if I'm experiencing any symptoms? Yeah. uh, Ridiculous. Unless if you said you were experiencing symptoms, they just like shot you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I have, I have shortness of breath and I just hear like a, you know, the, the, the cocking of a gun behind me and there's one more medical professional I didn't see clad in completely black scrubs. Yeah. They're like, it's about to get a lot shorter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this nasal swab they do, because, uh, you know, I've heard horror stories about how bad it is. Um, my favorite part is the part where they go deep in your nose, and you think, okay, I can handle this. This is probably as deep as they go. And then five seconds later, they push harder. Yeah, uh, when my test was done, 
Uh, and I've had a flu test done before, which is similar, but I feel like a flu test does not go as deep. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, but when I get my test done, I don't think, I don't know, something about my body is I can't control a single tear rolling down my right eye when something right. goes up my nose. And I stopped and they were cordial and they were like, huh, most people cry more. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I swear, I, I don't know what was happening because, like, you know, they got to the deep part and then pushed even further. And I, then I feel like she pushed even further and my head is like, like, I'm tilted back, but, like, I'm being pushed back even further. And, like, I had to cough, like a weird reflex where, like, you pushed so far in my nose, you activated my, uh, like, my gag reflex and that, that responds as a cough. And uh, she just went, oh, sorry. <laughs> Great. As though she had made a mistake, which is like, no, no, you're administering this test. I'm the idiot with the weird reflex. You, you cough and you cough up her glove. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yes. It's truly, truly unpleasant. So, yes, I'm officially COVID free uh, as of today. And we'll find out and, you know. Three more days if I start experiencing symptoms or anything. But uh, well, for what it's worth, from my understanding, it can take a full five days. But like, you should feel relatively confident in a COVID test. You get anywhere from like two to four days after exposure. So don't worry about it. Do what I did when I got my COVID test and just choose to feel good about it. That's what I'm gonna do. And to that end, um, that was supposed to be the sound of a, a bottle opening. There we go. To that end, uh, let's crack a cold one on this cold day. Yes, I, I would love to crack a cold one, but my cold one was pre-cracked. Oh, well, and also mine was probably too quiet to hear because I did it very far from the mic. I'm sure someone can edit in the opening sound of two cans, two cans, two cans, two cans, two cans, bottles that's it i'm going to find the loudest cracking noise i can and put that in uh that works uh what are you drinking henry this week i've returned to an old classic favorite the 512 pecan porter uh it's been a minute since i've had one of these and as always it has the robust porter brewed with organic texas pecans and i think that's the first time i've ever said that on the podcast god finally a return to normalcy Right. Oh, man, it's so good. Like, there are some feelings that you just, that just, when you experience them, it feels like going home. And and taking the first sip of a pecan porter to me just fills me with the feeling of, like, comfort and warmth and acceptance that, uh, that you can, I can only get from this substance. I have a problem. 
It is the the feeling of warmth and acceptance that you can't experience in your regular life, uh, for we are all alienated uh, and want the feeling of returning to home. I am drinking another old stand by a, a beer that I've had dozens of times on the podcast. It is a Jester King Brewery Farmhouse Black Metal, uh, which of course I have always on the podcast, which you can only buy from the Jester King Brewery and Farm in Austin, Texas. Uh, classic favorite. Have it all the time. So you finally discovered Jester King, did you? I did. I don't we know if we want to talk about Jester King as far as my expectations were. but we Yeah, we were keeping it from you. We were hiding it. I did find a tome, and, and the tome said Jester King. Now, I've never been to Jester King myself, but a, a friend of ours uh, basically goes there every weekend, even though he lives like an hour away from it. I would say, so we went right when this cold snap first started, and we also went at night. I don't know that that's actually the best time or temperature to experience Jester King, uh, because Jester King is a huge, it's, it's a farm with multiple seating areas. Like, depending on where you reserve to sit, you could have like a 300-foot hike to and from beer and drinks and food and stuff. So it's a oh. huge property. Wow, um, I didn't realize it was that large. But at night, it's just kind of Spooky. just kind of a barn that you're drinking in, which, you know, is, is a perfectly fine uh, bit of atmosphere. Uh, well, you know the Jester King slogan, right? Uh, no. Oh, it's uh, if you're going to drink, you might as well do it in a barn. I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? The internet went out and it sounded like you said, if you're going to drink, barm. <laughs> uh, their slogan is, uh, and, and I'll repeat, if you're going to drink, barm. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. I, I can't believe I couldn't get that from context the first time. Yep. It's now, weird because for years, you know, they've just had barm up there and they've never fixed the typo. Now, the interesting thing to me about Jester King, in addition to their mascot, I believe being Satan uh, and a very strong aesthetic overall, all their beers are weird. Uh, right, Jester King not- as a restaurant is very like farm to table. For the most part, most of what you're eating is like grown there and they grow a bunch of stuff for their beer but everything's local like everything is local if you have a pizza the crust is made with local wheat etc but when i was there the beer that i had was a kvass which is not a beer but it's a drink you make by letting old bread ferment in water interesting what a weird method of making beer and, and it was pretty tasty. Uh, and the the other beer that I had, uh, which was extremely delicious, was the other Crowler that I got, which I drank yesterday, which was their Necrolith, which is a similar thing in that it is a beer fermented by throwing like old fossilized sourdough bread into beer and allowing that to be a fermentation agent. Truly a very delicious beer. Like, I was kind of disappointed by the quality of the food at Jester King, but the beers are so good. 
Well, that's good. I'm glad you finally had a chance to experience Chester King. And uh, who knows, maybe this will lead to a long and happy relationship with, or an appropriately healthy relationship with beer. Uh, well, the ship has sailed there. However, today, with the farmhouse black metal, it is an imperial Russian stout made with local bacteria and yeast. That's right, bacteria and yeast collected on the farm, on the barm, uh, is what's used to produce this beer. And it's very, very sour. Uh, much more sour than I thought it would have been. Wow. Okay. It's like a huge, like dark, dark chocolate and like super tart cherry taste. It sounds pretty delicious. Yeah, it's it's delicious. It's just when you look at something that looks like a stout and you sip it and it's super sour, uh, your brain doesn't know what to think. Yeah, I, I would know. I wouldn't know what to do with that. That's it's interesting. Yeah, I would recommend Jester King though. Reservations are surprisingly easy to come by, and uh, it's only about an hour drive from where you live. <laughs> Great. Oh I no! Love now hour. people know that you live within a one-hour, like a circle. With a diameter of one hour from Jester King. Yeah, in any direction. You can start trilocating it. No, what is it? Um, Triangulating. You can start triangulating it. I think that uh, we've given enough information about where you've lived that people could probably triangulate your their your location if they wanted to visit you like the queen. Oh yeah, but uh, I mean, I just moved, so I doubt they'll be able to really find me. Yeah, and you moved far in a different direction than what I was going to say from where you lived, so it's impossible for people to know where you live now. Yep, and uh, let's let's <laughs> quickly move on. Yeah. Just saying, if if oh. I give like one more hint about where Stop you live, it. it's okay. Message received. Don't make me reveal where you live. Bring it on. No, don't. All right. Um. So Jester King is here to stay. Maybe I'll check it out one day. But for now, we've got things to talk about. We got to kick it into gear. Just because the days are short. And cold and sad doesn't mean we've got time to mope around, John. Yeah, there's a lot happening. Uh, I mean, I know that we talked a little bit about postponing the holidays till next year, but there is one holiday that doesn't wait for anyone. Wait, which one's that? Monolith. Monolith, that's correct. The one holiday that is, it's the gift that keeps on giving Monolith is popping its its head back up to, to make headlines once again. You know what they say, if the Monolith comes out and sees its shadow, Monolith. Monolith. Now, real heads will remember on a previous episode of this podcast, might even be last week, a Monolith appeared in the state of Utah. Uh, yes, I forget where exactly in the state of Utah, but it did start there. Now, you might say, John, it's interesting that you use the phrase start there. Uh, now, that monolith has disappeared. Right. The monolith that was in Utah, I believe it was in a national park, and some park rangers were the ones that spotted it from a helicopter, 
Um, yeah, that one's gone. Yeah, it. Uh, there was an adventure photographer who says that he saw four men descend on the structure. Uh, and the only thing left of that structure is a triangular metal piece that used to be on top and a hole where the base of the tower stood. Interesting. Now, when he says descend on the on the monolith, does he mean like from the sky? I, I assume he means from the environs, because I think the article would make a bigger deal out of it if they descended from the sky. You're right. You're right. That it would be men from the sky remove monolith, not uh, Utah monolith vanished. Now, of course. The Utah monolith may have vanished, but of course, whenever a hero falls, another hero will rise, or perhaps the same hero. Uh, according to NPR, uh, filed under strange news, gotta check out that section later, uh, another mysterious monolith suddenly appears, this time, in Romania. That's a far distance from Utah. Uh, yes, approximately thousands of miles, perhaps. <laughs> I guess one could say that clear across the entire world, a new monolith has been found. Now, is this the, is it, are they similar in dimensions and style? Uh, So it seems to be similar in dimensions. However, this one is covered in like round figures, like almost like writing. This one, this monolith has a little bit more going on. Uh, Now, I will say that uh, whoever wrote this NPR article uh, cites or references both the X-Files and 2001 Space Odyssey basically within the same first paragraph. So really, uh, pick it up journalistically. Uh, Everyone's thinking the same thing. You don't always have to go to 2001 Space Odyssey. There are other monoliths to talk about. Name one, John. Uh, The one in Utah. (laughs) Name another one, John. Uh, the one that appears to me in my dreams every time I close my eyes. Oh, yes, of course, that one. Uh, so the local newspaper reports, whatever the local newspaper is, oh, of course, it's in Romanian, duh, uh, reports that the monolith, like the one discovered in Utah, is about 10 to 12 feet tall and apparently composed entirely of a dimly reflective metal. I was reportedly found standing on the Botka Doamne Plateau, near an archaeological site overlooking the city, Journal FM, a local radio station, recorded video of the purported object, revealing an eye-aching sheen and looped markings along its surface. I'm getting weird vibes from this now. About the looped markings? Yeah, the looped markings. Like, a monolith is one thing. I mean, anyone can put a monolith in Utah, but you put some weird looped markings around a monolith, and now it's starting to feel like, what are you trying to say? Well, I mean, this is this is just how society treats everyone. If a monolith just appears, we don't treat that monolith with any respect, but when that monolith has something to say, we pay attention. Yeah, yeah I don't care about a monolith that just suddenly appears where some sheep are in Utah. I mean, trees are kind of like that. But if a tree had like a word carved into it or some markings, I'm going to start paying attention to that tree. I will say the mayor of the town that this was found on the outskirts of, the town of Piatra Niemt, I think that he, in comparison to our initial monolith reporters, uh, is taking this 
uh, I don't know. He, he's taking the time to really flex his comedic chops, and you have to give him some props for that. Uh, Andre Carabellia said, there's no reason to panic for those who think there is still life in the universe. My guess is that some alien, cheeky and terrible teenagers left home with their parents' UFO and started planting metal monoliths around the world, first in Utah and then in Piatra Nimt. I am honored that they chose our city. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a pretty good a pretty good attitude to adopt. It, like, in the face of cosmic, uh, you know, confirmation of life on other planets and the fact that those other planets want to prank us, like, that's 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 a pretty good attitude to adopt. Yeah, rather than that one guy who was absolutely an alien being interviewed. Right. Now, of course, it with it being a monolith, there is not much else to talk about other than it being kind of creepy. However, there is late breaking monolith news. Wait, there's even more news than the two those two things. There is news. As of seven hours ago. Oh, no. So there's a there's a journalist on the ground uh, who posted uh, breaking another mysterious monolith appears. Let me go ahead and just send you the link to this. Okay. So you can have a look for yourself because I, I don't want to describe it to you because I feel like you're going to lose some of the some of the earth shaking gravity of it. Uh, okay. All right, I've received I've received the link. I'm opening it. Oh, this is this is very breaking. Yeah, this is breaking news, earth-shattering news. Go ahead and, and describe it to the people, Henry. Well, yeah, this, so this model if unlike the uh, the previous ones, uh the, I I would say it stands about 10 to 12 feet tall, but at the top of this model if there are four like prongs that that are different from the other monoliths we've seen thus far. Yeah, so there's definitely four prongs, a forked like protrusion, and and we're getting words from the reporter one one guy Fieri that this monolith is appearing on the outskirts of Flavor Town. That's now you know things are getting serious because when Flavor Town. When Flavortown's on the map, that's when you know things are getting real. Now, of course, there's some there's some kind of brand interaction happening here in the comments. As you can see, Ripley is believe it or not says, "Ah, guy, and your grocery games too good." Uh, no idea what that means. Uh, uh, so, uh, guy has a, a game show on the Food Network called Guy's Grocery Games. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. It's uh, basically uh, amateur and professional chefs cooking meals out of what they can quickly grab in a grocery store. Sure. Great. Um, don't like that. It basically harkens back to, uh, I believe it was Canada's supermarket sweep that was then uh, adapted in like the late 80s to American television. Uh, but instead of just running through the supermarket and trying to get specific items for a cash prize, uh, you're you're selecting ingredients to cook uh, in a dish, and then uh, that dish is then judged by other professional chefs and critics, and uh, the winner gets money. So it's like supermarket sweeps plus Iron Chef. 
Right. Uh, there are two teams, and uh, a really neat thing that Guy has done is a uh, past people who have been on diners, d- drive-ins, and dives are featured in it. Hmm. So it's uh, closing the loop for the Fietiverse. Right. So you got your triple D. Now you got your triple G. Triple D. Oh, diners, drive-ins, and dives. Giners, grivins, and gives? Guys, grocery games? Oh, that makes a lot more sense than what I thought. Yeah, I'll say it was a... Do you think the intern that made this Flavor Town Spork is proud of what they've done? Uh, knowing the Fieri family, like, as well as I do, um, this is most likely the work of one of his sons who uh, helps with his branding because, uh, you know, he needs a little bit of help every now and then. Is his son's name Son Fieri? I think his son's name was like Nick or something like that. Oh, Nicholas Fieri. I think it's Nikolai. I'm kidding. I have oh. no idea. It's just Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nick, yeah, Nick guy is actually, yeah. Fork. Yeah, so Fork Monolith. Yeah, Fork Monolith. That's that's the end of that. Oh, man. Good, good, good uh, news of the weird segment, John. Thanks for kicking that off. And maybe we'll keep an eye on those monoliths. And let's see if anything weird happens to them. Yeah, let's listen. News of the Weird is open for submissions. I I do have to wonder, in the year 2020, which is it currently is still somehow, with everything going on right now, you know, you've got a global pandemic, you've got just wide-sweeping unemployment, you've got unemployment protections running out at the end of the year, You've got all of these just really serious negative things piling on. What pushes you to make the decision to erect mysterious monoliths in the wilderness now? You know, I there's like a a case to be made sometimes that uh, pieces of like very widely reported and uh replicatable performance art can be like a psyop like if you have really bad stuff going on in the world like that's why people thought that the clowns that were showing up everywhere were actually a psyop because during that time uh we were leading into like a presidential election uh and there was this there was this belief that having people like dress up like clowns or reporting on people dressing up like clowns and just appearing out of the blue uh, was actually meant to distract people from becoming politically engaged. So this is like a, a weird delayed psyop to get people to, to stop paying attention to what's happening on our political scene. I mean, it might be like a, an actual, I mean, I'm not, Believe me, I am not a person who like cries psyop about stuff because I here's the thing. I genuinely out of all things in this world, I have the least faith in a large organization to keep any secrets like at this point in the world. I do think that that is pretty impossible. So I don't think it's a psyop, 
But were someone to suppose it were a PSYOP, I think they would say it was a PSYOP to like keep people from being politically motivated, particularly as uh, eviction protections end at the end of the year, unemployment insurance has run out, and we're probably not getting a new stimulus bill uh, until well into the new administration. Uh, probably uh, by year end, you could have people rioting, but what if they care a lot about monolith? Uh, obviously, shaky premise, but that's an argument someone could make. Can you imagine the the meeting that would have to have had taken place for this to have been a psyop? And who it's funded by, like, so let, let's, like, just as a fun thought experiment, let's, let's say it takes, it, it was, the you know, the GOP funding this PSYOP, and they're in this meeting, and someone looks, someone, you know, someone on the, the, the team, the PSYOP team, looks a consumer in the eye and says, we think monoliths will do the trick. Yeah, monoliths are going to be the thing. Market research has shown that the public is really accepting of monoliths right now. You know, there's never been, at this point in time, no more people have seen 2001 A Space Odyssey than this point in time. We are at an inflection point. The people who originally saw 2001 A Space Odyssey will start to die soon. We need to capitalize. We are at the crest of a 2001 The Space Odyssey wave. There was like a real big push two years ago when everyone rewatched all of the X-Files. We can really get them with this one. It has to. It would have to be the same people who are like, yeah, killer clowns. That's what's going to get people away from the polls in 2016. <laughs> and so now in 2020, they're back and they're like monoliths. And really, what what's happening is, uh, right? It, they they do nothing else. They sell to this this one GOP faction, and they do nothing else. So like a week before the meeting. They just they they happen to have happen to have watched it in 2016, and now they just happen to have watched 20, 2001 A Space Odyssey. So it's just like they're just pitching whatever movie they've most recently watched. Yeah, I, <laughs> they see Killer Clowns from Outer Space or it. Um, they watch Sideways, and they come and they listen. Wine a psyop. <laughs> Um, so in 2024, it's going to be sideways and they're just like Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, PSYOP. Next day on CNN, they're like terrified jogger takes picture of Paul Giamatti standing in the woods. (laughs) Paul Giamatti appears on the outskirts of a town in Utah. (laughs) There have been... Numerous sightings of famous actor, actor, <laughs> famous Hollywood actor Paul Giamatti across the nation crawling out of culverts. Did you know? Do you remember Balloon Boy? I remember Balloon Boy. Yeah. People seriously seem to think that Balloon Boy was a psyop. Um, I think about immigration stuff, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Really, I think it was just like a desperate cry for help. 
Yeah, like I said, I'm not someone who like genuinely believes that psyops are a thing that we see. And if they are, I think that they would have some level of sophistication where I wouldn't just be able to go, oh, balloon boy, psyop. Yeah, no. But if uh, if 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 when we get to 2024, if Paul Giamatti gets really big for no reason, I'm going to know. Yeah, if he if he gets really huge, if he starts trending on Twitter, Paul Giamatti sign up. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean more than just that one weird commercial where he and Siren McCulkin are together, and he's an accountant. Kieran McCulkin, what's his name? Kieran. Kieran. McCulkin. I don't know. It's weird. I will say, I will say I did pick up my phone and then looked up Balloon Boy and then locked my phone and put it down so I could attend to the conversation and then unlocked my phone and looked at it and I had typed in PSYOP. So you tell me. (laughs) No, No, you you typed in Balloon Boy and what came up was PSYOP. They want you to know. My phone's given me a gift. The gift of forbidden knowledge. You are the chosen one. To, to bring this to the pop populace and no one's going to believe you. This is a psyop, or you might say a mind gate conspiracy. Yep. See, there was a video game that came out in 2005 called Psyops, the Mind Gate Conspiracy. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Okay. I won't. I won't worry about it. I, that I is can't. the most. We have talked about Psyops, the Mind Gate Conspiracy twice in what? Two two times in two weeks on this podcast. You were going to say is poggers. (laughs) When did we talk about it last? I was talking about, I I don't know what brought us to it, but I was talking about video games about psychic bald people that came out in the Mm. early 2000s. That does sound vaguely familiar. All right, well, let's let's leave PSYOP the Mind Gate where it is at the bottom of the Atari landfill and let's move on with our lives. Yes, I would like to have one quick segment before we move on. Okay, I, I will allow it. Uh, and this segment is uh, everything you need to know. This is everything I need to know. Yes, this is everything you need to know about something that is occurring in the zeitgeist right now and we are going to cover it comprehensively and completely and tell you everything that you need to know to assess a situation understand it and move on with your life this sounds like it's right up our alley and i'm just wondering why on uh, episode 203 you're just bringing it up now henry just let me know when you're ready and i'll tell our listeners everything they need to know about what is there a topic Yeah, it's going to be a topic that's in the zeitgeist. The way that this works is once the veil is lifted on everything you need to know, you learn the topic and then everything you need to know about it. Okay, so they can't, they don't know what they're going to be learning about. Yes, but they will know everything about it. Okay. Um, Do you want a countdown or what do you want to do? Listen, I'm ready whenever you just have to tell me that you're ready for everything you need to know. All right, tell me what I need to know. All right, Elliot Page, Oscar-nominated Juno star, announces he is transgender, and that is all you need to know. That's everything I need to know. And this was a great first installment of everything you need to know. Nothing else about that needs to be discussed. No one needs to talk about names that this person doesn't 
use or identify with anymore. And no one needs to write articles about how it's weird that a person you grew up watching is now different. Yeah. I mean, the the cool thing about actors is that they can portray uh, pretty much anything they want to portray or need to portray. So there's no real need to analyze past roles with future roles or anything like that because actors are going to act. Yeah, I I think that any article that writes about this that uses maybe more than two or three sentences is uh, kind of getting its jimmies twisted over nothing. But it is kind of notable because this is the first high-profile, widely household name actor who is is going through this in the mainstream media. So it, it could be a good time to reach out to people who don't understand this and uh, use it as a teaching moment for them to wrap their heads around. But the, the important thing that you're emphasizing is uh, the facts that you said are all that you really need to know. Yeah, you could write other things about it, but don't analyze that being the thing. No, that's yeah, yeah. all you need to know about that. Right. That's all you need to know about that specific scenario. But if you wanted to do some background context, you know just walk through people, what a dead name is and stuff like that. You could do that. You could use this as a vehicle for that. But as the news pertains to this one individual, that's all you need to know. Exactly. I like it. I like everything you need to know. I thought you were going to hit me over the head with the knowledge hammer. I did because I told you everything you needed to know. No, I meant like the big one that we use for like really 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 dense things but this was just like a little love tap yeah this this one's gentle you know what no one your life isn't changed by this get out of other people's lives and pants yeah Yeah, no my life is unaffected you know by this in every way in every way i am unaffected by this in every way (laughs) yeah i'm unaffected by this in every way other than to say you love to see it yeah, I mean it's a zero sum effect. Cause yeah. it's a yeah. Cool. Elliot's a cool name, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. I've forgotten the dead name at this point, honestly. Good. I I saw the I saw Elliot's name and I was like, huh, what was I don't remember, and I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, that's everything I needed to know. I just wonder when we're going to get another Beyond Two Souls. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. Is that studio even around anymore? I hope not. Me let's too. stop talking about video games no one cares about but me. All right, well, let's start talking about songs I heard on the radio and I want to do a deep dive on with you who have probably never heard the song before. Great. I listen to the radio sometimes, but it's only the cool radio station for Austin. And I listen to a lot of pop music because I'm a basic person. That's fine. Uh, what's this song? Uh, so just to give you a little a little background, uh, I had to drive to and from my, my place of employment today twice to take a COVID test and get the results. And uh, on both, on every trip, this song was on the radio. It's called I Hope. Yeah, no idea. All right, it's by Gabby Barrett, 
and it features uh, another name I've never heard of before, uh, Charlie Puth. Yeah, no idea of either yeah. of those people. Not even, not even close to an idea. All right, so I, I thought this was gonna be this is gonna be a little fun kind of activity. Um, I'm basically just going to read the lyrics and just get your reaction because I feel like that's gonna be really fun. Okay, I, I love lyrics. They're the uh, they're the they're the writing of music. All right, so and, and the you books know, of song. This is gonna be um, this could be a little bit of a walk, but I think I think the payoff is gonna be worth it. So I'm is gonna this get just into a cover of "I Hope You Dance." No, I wouldn't do something that simple, John. Okay, I'm just saying know. if if this is just a cover of "I Hope You Dance" by Leanne Womack, that is a good song. I don't know what that is. You've heard it. All right, here goes the lyrics. I'm not going to try to sing it because that would do disservice to the song. Uh, so I'm going to read it in plain speak and ruin the song for everyone. I hope she makes you smile the way it made me smile on the other end of a phone in the middle of a highway driving alone. Which is on a phone and the when she's driving? So, so the speaker is saying, I hope she, an unnamed she, makes you, a reference to you, smile. Oh. The way it made me smile on the other end of a phone in the middle of a highway driving alone. There's a lot. The, a lot of I'm movement need someone happening. someone like diagram the sentence for me. <laughs> There's a lot of movement happening. It seems like... Um, the implication is, I hope she makes you smile the way it, you made me smile when we were on the phone while I was driving. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, baby, I, I hope you hear a song that makes you sing along and gets you thinking about her. Then the last several miles turn into a blur. Yeah. So, she hopes... That he Here's is he a... still in the car? No, no. I, I feel like he's he's he's. <laughs> so he it, the first one was like a. We might we might be getting too nailed to specifics. Okay, here. it's fine. It's fine. Gotcha. All right. I hope you both feel the sparks by the end of the drive. I hope you know she's the one. By the so he's definitely of, he's definitely in a car. Sorry. He's definitely in a car. He's, he's definitely, definitely in a car. In a car. Okay, he's, he's in a car. <laughs> okay. I hope you know she's the one by the end of the night. I hope you never ever felt more free. Tell your friends that you're so happy. I okay. hope she. I hope she comes along and wrecks every one of your plans. I hope you spend your last dime to put a rock on her hand. I hope she's wilder than your wildest dreams. She's everything you're gonna need. This sounds like a is is this like a a love song written in the second person? And then I hope she cheats. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> great. Okay, okay, I I gotcha. Like you did on me. And then I hope she cheats like you did on me. 
Okay. Wow. Vindictive. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, normally, normally, cheating songs are like, uh, you know, I, I drug my keys through the side of his truck. Yeah, think and, before he cheats. Yeah, exactly. He'll think uh, before he Who was he that? Che- uh, Carrie Underwood. Right, right. Like, it, it's very violent and, and very vindictive. Um, but this one is very hopeful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very hopeful until it isn't. Is there like a key change when that happens? Does someone like do, does someone like slam on a power cord on a Les Paul, and then the tone of the song changes? This is kind of why I wanted to talk about this. It's like it's building up, you know. I hope, but dun dun da dun dun dun, and it's like building up all of these hopeful things. And then that line, it, it, there's just a brief pause. There's a brief pause between, um, I hope she's wilder than your wildest dreams. She's everything you're going to need. Beat. And then I hope she cheats. Okay. So it's still in the same tone, but it's kind of like slipping a knife in <laughs> and yeah. twisting it. I, I like that. I like a good vindictive song. Um. Now, this is interesting because, well, at least in my, hold on, at least in my head, uh, the the singer changes right here. Um, It it changes to the Charlie Puth guy. Um, And he says, yeah, babe, I hope she shows up in a 2 a.m. pick from her friend hanging on to a guy and you just ain't him. I hope you stay up all night, all alone, waiting by the phone. And then she calls. And baby, I I hope you work it out. Forgive and just about forget. And take her on a first date again. And when you lean in for a kiss, I hope you both feel the sparks by the end of the drive. I hope you know she's the one by the end of the night. I hope you never, ever felt more free. Tell your friends that you're so happy. Hope she comes along and wrecks every one of your plan. I hope you spend your last dime to put a rock on her hand. I hope she's wilder than your wildest dreams. She's everything you're going to need. And then I hope she cheats. Nice. Like you did on me. And that's Charlie Puth throughout? Yeah, that was all throughout so it, like it changes the, to a guy singer but all the pronouns are the same okay I, I like this i like the construction of this song it, it's really like so the first few times i heard it i'm like what is this like it it kind of feels like a moving on song like um what's that like an one? adele's uh what's that adele song um some but someone like you, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, someone like you or something. Never, yeah, or, or the um, I think it was the people who sang Pompeii, or is that the name of the band? I don't know. There's Bastille? another one. Bastille. I think they had a song that's like, "I have to let you go so you can be. Ha- I want you to be happier." So yeah, it's like it's, uh, someone like you by Adele is like a kind of a moving on song, right? And, and like kind uh. Of. Bastille has one that's like, I want you to be happy, so I'm going to go. Bye, yo, bye, yo, bye. So I thought it was like, this bayo. is a really kind of like wholesome kind of moving on song. Like, I hope 
the, the person that you're with is like going to be good for you. And then there's just that twist of the knife. And then I hope she cheats. What if it's like, a, holy shit. You know what? Trick. Joker's trick. Open relationship. <laughs> Boom. You know, open relationships would make songwriting in general much more difficult. Because then this person would have to be like, and then I hope she uh, enters into a sexual relationship with someone that you are not cool with or have not talked about. Yeah, no, it gets more chaotic because it's not like I hope she cheats. It's more like I hope they get romantically involved with a racist. <laughs> you know i think that would be that would be fine in this song too. <laughs> it's like gel with that you know <laughs> yeah what if what if we took all the cheating songs and uh rewrote them to be like <laughs> instead of you cheated you were just a racist <laughs> i was hiding this slagger the both headlights <laughs> something something racist <laughs> I was hiding it from the world when we were together, but now that we're broken apart, I will let the world know you're a racist. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. The, the 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 thing about this I hope song is it, it's you know it's one of those breakup songs, but it's actually catchy. Uh, unlike, in my opinion, that one where they destroy the truck and then. Oh, Someone you like, will not tell me that before he cheats by Carrie Underwood is not catchy. I don't think it's catchy. I think it's too, it's dramatic. It, it's to me, it feels like a a showstopper in a Broadway musical. The chorus of "Before He Cheats" is incredible in its construction. I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive, carved my name into his leather seats. Leather seats is stretched out. Took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. I slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. That is from memory, Henry. All right. This is where we're going to have to agree to disagree. I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's, this is going to sound really reductive and stupid when it comes out of my mouth. It's a little overdramatic, John. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to be, Henry. I, it's a it's a, it's a lot. I think I feel like catchy is supposed to be light and poppy and like you know fits in your brain without details. I, I feel like I, I will say that souped up four wheel drive like, is too specific. Yeah, that's fair. I will say. I think that music now is like, I think they really figured out what makes something like uh, catchy to a point that it's like weaponized. Like, look at the fucking Chainsmokers. All their songs are garbage, but if you hear them, they're in your head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, they figured out the mathematical formula to make a catchy hit that is somehow devoid of the complexity or nuance of something like before he cheats what's that song about a mattress and a range rover that one's good i it's don't not know a good song it's catchy no. but it's not a good song what no it's good no it's absolutely not so i'm gonna type in mattress song truck <laughs> 
listen, the only thing we're learning is that all good songs have trucks in them. Uh, I have found a song called Beer Can in a Truck Bed, which cannot be it. I'm going to Google Foo You here right now. I'm going to say Mattress Range Rover song. She was digging up her sundress, showing off her tatty. She said, I like your ride. Maybe you could be my caddy. Uh, what you say you pick up <laughs> pick us up a six pack of Maddie. <laughs> Why aren't we listening to this song? Oh nice. <laughs> uh it is closer by the chain smokers. Please give me more <laughs> lyrics of beer can and a truck bed. Oh, okay. Let me let me get back to it. Um she had a sweet little southern twang. Said, we don't have to talk about forever things. Thanks. For tonight, maybe we could just hang out, hang like a pair of dice. Wait, who is the song by? Um, Old Dominion. That sounds familiar. Mm. Uh, so let me tell you, let me tell you why Closer by the Chainsmokers is an awful song. All right, I'm, I'm ready to listen. You know, you know what leads into the chorus? Uh, Oversample knowing... lyrics going, I can't stop. Dumb. Okay. And then it goes like, baby, pull me closer in the backseat of your rover that I know you can't afford. Da, 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 da. Fuck that song. It's repetitive. It's dumb. Bite that tattoo it's like, on it's your like shoulder. Pop, pop punk. Not pop punk. It's just like pop music mixed with dumb house music. Not that house music is dumb, but that's yeah. dumb. I have no love for the Chainsmokers. Um, it's a shame because, you know, the, the the part of my radio that used to tell me what who songs were by, that's gone out on one of the channels. Oh, great. Um, so I actually did kind of dig this song. But for not for anything they did, I, I liked it for the the singer. You know, I mean, and they're just the people who do like the beats and stuff. Like, I, are we talking about chain smokers now? Yeah, the chain smokers. Sure. I mean, I don't. Whatever. Music is music. Art is art. I don't care for that particular chain smoker song. Uh, but I feel like maybe if I listen to it, I might like this Charlie XCX song. What is this? The cheating song. Oh, the, the, the song that we were talking about before this? Yeah. I Hope by Gabby Barrett featuring Charlie Poof. I'm going to I'm gonna give that a listen. Yeah, it's pretty good. Because it, it, I feel like if your song has a lot of movement to it, and it's not... I mean, it, it, if you break down the song, it's really just a chorus repeated by a different singer singing the same chorus with a little bit of difference. Um, but like the words themselves are like the focus and like the nuance between the emotions of like this weird hopeful thing with this weird twisting of the knife. Uh, I hope he cheats thing. And like this, the, the line delivery of like, I hope he cheats. is like, I hope you get everything you want in life, but then like it kills you or something like that. Like it, it is, it is a sentiment we can all relate to, but I've never quite, heard it in a song like this not that i listen to a ton of music i really just listen to what comes on the radio <laughs> but it was so <laughs> such a new 
experience for me that I, I wanted to bring it up on the, the podcast and get your take on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to listen to it. It sounds like fun. I, I have nothing against pop music, even though, I don't know, I listen to a lot of stuff. I've been haunted. Here's something that I'll uh, I'll leave this segment with. I've been haunted by the opening lyrics to Top Down by Earth Gang lately, and I want to hear your take in one sentence. Okay. Uh, and I don't understand what this is really saying. Uh, the opening lyrics to Top Down by Earth Gang are, of course, Doctor told me I should rest, but I ain't gonna never ever quit. I like girls with pretty feet, yeah, and jeans that'll never fit, yeah. <laughs> it's Doctor... the last part. It's the last part that I'm not sure of. I'm confused about a lot of this. Um, the doctor told him he should rest, but he ain't ever gonna quit. All right. That makes that's fine. That's fine. That coupling makes sense. It's okay. There, there is a question of what the it is. Like, what is he quitting? The game. I like girls with pretty feet. Yeah, and jeans Which, that'll never fit. Je- his jeans. The first three lines, right? Doctor told me I should rest, but I ain't gonna never ever quit. I like girls with pretty feet. Yeah, just statements that you know. You might be behind or you might not, but, you know, they make enough sense. But the end jeans that'll never, ever fit. That's my question. Is he talking about his jeans? I assume not. My assumption was he was talking about the jeans of women, but, like, how you don't do you want see the jeans of women that don't fit? <laughs> so, so here's the thing. All right, so doctor told me I. So the doctor is the subject of that sentence and the I is an object. Uh, but I ain't ever going to quit. Now I has become the subject of the second line. I like girls. I is the subject again. So I is the last subject of a, of a statement. And jeans that'll never fit, to me, feels like it should be applied to the subject. He just likes buying jeans that he can't fit into. And, you know, may, honestly, maybe that's what he's not quitting. He's is, not quitting jeans that won't fit. His doctor, doctor's like, please, you have, to, you have to give it a rest. These jeans will never fit. Your blood pressure is so high. His doctor is saying, like, you're crushing your, you know, your, 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 your organs with these jeans that won't fit. And he's saying... The, never the, gonna rest. The girls with the pretty feet is a non sequitur. It's the jeans he's not quitting. <laughs> yeah, three lines are interconnected. The pretty feet was a red herring. I will say this might be... It's one of the only hip-hop songs I know that references Othello. Oh. This is a long song. I mean, it's there's those four lines, but then later it, it says, On that white like Othello... He's talking about cocaine, but you know, you know oh. what Othello's about. Yeah, about the talking Paradiago. White Venetian. That's the joke that's always made. Wait, what? Iago? Uh, talk about, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. I'm just waiting for this cool Serrano de Bergerac rap. Is this a Ben 10 reference in a hip-hop song? Oh, you're looking at the lyrics? Yes, there is a Ben 10 reference as well. It's a good song if you're hip hop inclined. How do you casually drop in a child's cartoon? 
<laughs> in your, your hip hop song. This is art. This is art, baby. Uh, I I've ne- I don't listen to any hip hop, um, but and th- so you know, take what I'm about to say with no seriousness at all. This is a joke I'm making. Uh, but is hip hop just tr- name dropping various things and trying to get it work in two contexts? Absolutely, it is not. Okay, yeah, that is right. some of it, but that is also true of a lot of other music. Well, you're absolutely right. It's not limited to hip hop, for instance. Uh, in in uh, Bruno Mars's is that who sings this Uptown Funk? <laughs> yes, you are absolutely right. I would have forgiven you for thinking it was Pharrell, uh, but it is absolutely Bruno Mars. All right, uh, they make reference to Michelle White Pfeiffer, that white girl gold, and we all know white gold is not referencing the metal. Um, but a, a standard of beauty that happens to be white. What am I talking about? Uh, yeah, there's white beauty standards. I, I think that hip hop has a much like broader, or for a while it enjoyed a like a broader cultural range of references that it could pull from. But other music is is slowly getting in on that. Hip hop's a lot of like clever. I, I'm not going to explain hip hop to you. Why not? I just... (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, because I'm not the person to do it. (laughs) Um, No, I'm I'm a complete pop head these days. I just want to say, if we're talking about hip-hop, and I'll leave it with this, if we're talking about lyrics that truly matter... You have to turn no further than Zach Fox's The Bean Kicked In. You know, Zach Fox, Twitter comedian. Right, Zach Fox, uh, brother of Toby Fox. Uh, First verse of The Bean Kicked In. I just popped a bean and I'm on a helicopter. I don't want to do shit unless it's with my partners. I got all this money, gave it straight to my mama. I just want to fuck. Michelle Obama. Uh, moving on. What is Bean? Oh, Bean, I think it's like a Xanax. Well, there's, so it seems like there's a refrain that's repeated in the song. The Bean kicked in Molly. Oh, then maybe it's, it sounds like it's ecstasy then. The Bean kicked in, is Molly ecstasy? I thought they were both MDMA. Time to Google. I have no idea. Drugs have gotten more names and have gotten more complicated. I thought there were just like three types of drugs. There used to be when we were in uh, when we were in elementary school. There was dope, smack, and blow. So like, those aren't the same. Uh, Dope is weed, typically. If we're talking about the parlance of the nineties, yeah. But sometimes, often the problem with things in the like 90s canon of like anti-drug messaging is dope and smack. For the most part, if people talk about like smoking dope, it's smoking weed. Uh, But sometimes dope also meant heroin, which smack usually means. Okay. Uh, But there was also carryover between people saying smack or crack and meaning the same thing or just meaning cocaine because of course crack is 
not cocaine. It's chemically different. But <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't a, a lot of knowledge, surprisingly, in the anti-drug messaging of the 90s for kids where they were like, I don't know, McGruff wasn't like, don't do dope. And then there was a little thing being like, dope equals marijuana cigarettes. I feel like if they wanted to get their, their messaging really clear and consistent, they should have told us what these street names meant. But also none of it mattered because it would turn out that the <laughs> the larger drug problem in America today is none of those, but amphetamines and meth. Yeah, the opioid crisis and, and methamphetamines are absolutely... Uh, the the problem. Where's where's that messaging, McGruff? Uh, doesn't doesn't really exist. Uh, but MDMA, methyl anadioxy methamphetamine, uh, is both Molly and ecstasy. Okay. Good to know. I'll. Ne- yeah. I mean, none of this will ever have a practical use in my life. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. All the 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 gateway between us and all of this is a lot different than people think. Because like, if you ever prescribed like Ritalin or Adderall as a kid, you've already taken an amphetamine. Well, I hate to break it. I hate to break it to you, John. I was a a perfect child. Oh, you were a straight edge baby. Um, (laughs) I would never refer to myself as such. I'm sorry, were you a child that never took prescription medications? Not on the reg. Henry is a straight-edge baby. I'm a straight-edge baby. Uh, I was also a straight-edge baby until I got on Zoloft for my anxiety, and then I stopped taking it because it made me feel weird, and I hid it in a box. Should I talk about this a lot? I hid it in a, you know what a bionicle is? Yes, I know what a bionicle is. I had so many. Um, you hid your. So I had to take Zoloft for anxiety, and Zoloft didn't work with me. And you know, when when you have parents, it's hard to be like, I don't like what my drugs are doing. Can we talk to another person about it? Uh, right. So I would put them in a bionicle canister and hide it in my closet. Nice to make it look like I was taking it. Nice. I used to hide my Flintstones vitamins in the uh, the tea kettle that my parents never used. Wait, you were so straight edge you didn't even take Flintstones vitamins? Just just a straight edge baby. John, I did not let any unnatural substances in this body. <laughs> unnatural substance like vitamins. It was water and bread for 18 years. All I ate was water, bread, and the blood and flesh of Christ. Uh, the funny thing about that is that I actually didn't drink water until I got into college. I was also a late water bloomer. It had a bad taste. It had a bad taste because all I drank was Diet Mountain Dew. It had a bad taste because all I drank was Diet Coke. I'm amazed that I made it this far in my life. Being that... (laughs) Now, people in the podcast have heard this. I used to be very overweight. And and I still am. I mean, I I weighed like 360 pounds. Okay, Um, And all I drank was soda, particularly like Mountain Dew and Sprite, uh, and whole milk. I don't think I intentionally drank a glass of water until I was maybe 17 or 18. 
Yeah, it, it's crazy because we we grow up learning about the food pyramid and all these these you know nutritional stuff, which turns out was all a hoax anyway. But in, in that stuff was like, well, you have to drink six to eight glasses of water a day. And every time I heard that, my, my thoughts was like, well, no, you don't. I never have. Yeah, I, I'm alive. So I'm alive. I drink milk, <laughs> diet coke, and that's it. I remember I would I would drink a a bunch of milk and soda, and uh, sometimes it's crazy the way I lived my life as an unhealthy picky eater up until I was like eighteen. I'd be like. Oh, this is just one of the days when I have really bad indigestion and a headache. So I'm going to open the freezer and just like put my head in the freezer for a second because I have a really bad headache and science can't explain why. <laughs> no, I, I went through a period um, in my later high school years where it's like I, I went through these these just months straight of like I keep waking up with bad stomach aches and it sucks because there's nothing that can treat it except for going to sleep and hoping I wake up without it. Yeah, like we we believed these were just like natural parts of our bodies. Uh, the the funny thing is what 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 ended up helping me was the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis yogurt Activia. Oh hell yeah, your gut flora was fucked. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, thank you. You've saved our guts and saved our butts from Michael Myers. Indeed. Everyone watch the latest Halloween that comes out next year. Yeah, and also watch the most recent Halloween, which is much better than I thought it would be. It was pretty good. We saw that together around Halloween time. We did. Projector. Yeah, um, socially distanced Halloween. I remember that, uh, I don't know, when I turned like 17, 18, I actually like... It's crazy the state that, like, nutrition was in. Because just none of this really existed. And I had to get all of it from, like, bodybuilding forums on the internet where people would be like, it'd be really smart if you, like, ate vegetables. And this is what protein and fat and carbohydrates are. Uh, So I started to, like, care. And the second I cared at all about my diet, I lost, like, 100 pounds, stopped having acid reflux, was no longer pre-diabetic, no longer had hypertension. Like, it's crazy how little we know about nutrition, especially if our parents don't care to teach us. Right. I, I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't help if the parents don't care. And at least for for me learning in school, like, they would teach us, like, this is what nutrition is. And then we would go to lunch and lunch was like, you have a choice of like a fried sandwich or pizza or the thing that nobody gets because it's gross. And it's like. How can you teach me, you know, nutrition and then serve me this shit? Yeah, this is what nutrition is. Now, would you like the bread with sodium meat on top or would you like square pizza? Yeah, it's Salisbury Steak Day in the cafeteria again. A food I have seen literally nowhere else. Yeah, Salisbury steak only exists in cafeterias and TV dinners. <laughs> right. Like, th- there there are so many dishes from that, like, um, you know, Mexican pizza, which used to exist at Taco Bell, but now God is damn only, it, don't get me started. Now is only found in cafeterias around the nation. When I, uh, 
I remember being like a teen, you know, playing a bunch of Counter-Strike and video games in general, as I did. Uh, I would, my idea of like dinner on like weeknights sometimes would be like, oh, I'll just heat up two uh, TV dinners and have a giant fucking 32 ounce glass of whole milk. And this is a meal. Right. This is fine. This is the appropriate number of calories and the appropriate number of sodium for a human body. It, it got to the point where, because uh, I, I was on two soccer teams and that's just about it. And just the amount of running you do for being on two soccer teams was enough to really counteract anything I was doing. Um, but it got to a point where I, I quit soccer to focus on school, but my eating habits did not change. Yes. And so my metabolism, which was like, oh, you're going to do exercise for this later, right? That's cool. I'm going to slow down because you're going to need this energy later. And then I never ran again. And so... Yeah, from the, from the period of when I was maybe six to when I was maybe 13, I was an extremely active kid because we like lived out in the country. Uh, and I was a, a cut kid. <laughs> I had like abs and obese oh, yeah. and shit because I just Same did here. whatever. And I was in the best shape of my like, life as a, as a child. <laughs> as a teenager, it's like, oh, I live in a city and video games are awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I continued to eat like I was active and, uh, you know. Uh, at at one point, they like weighed me, and the nurse weighed me twice because they're like, "Oh, you're like 15, and you weigh 360 pounds. Great." Well, I will say now, you're doing a great job in your early onset adulthood. I yes, I I will say something that has entered my life recently that I would recommend to anyone who's able is a uh, cardio's crazy. <laughs> like cardio <laughs> burns so many calories. It does. Like, if you find something that's fun, not to say that I'm, like, losing weight or anyone should really lose weight unless their doctor tells them to if their health markers indicate as such. But, like, running and cycling makes it so I can drink beer and kind of maintain my healthy weight. And that's all I really want. Right. I've been, uh, so now that we live close to a park, I just go out there and I walk, like, two two hours now. I walk like two miles like every night now, just walking. Nice. Um, I'm not going to run. I'm never going to run again. I, I can't do it. Running is uh, – so I, I started running again, and I got to a point where I could like run multiple miles without stopping, which is a milestone for me. And uh, what running multiple miles did for me is it uh, made it so one of my knees used to make a weird crackling sound. Now both of them do. Right. I mean, running is – it's it's proven health benefits, but also come with just like your body's going to break down now because you're using it. <laughs> I mean, not to be like an evangelist about anything, but cycling is low impact and burns more calories per hour than running does. Buy me a bike. Buy your own bike. I have no money. I have a house. <laughs> Trade in your house to buy a bike. That's what I did. Oh, is this like the red paperclip thing? Yeah, <laughs> except I traded down. <laughs> I'm going to start with a house and see if I can get to a paperclip. Yeah, it's really easy. That would... So, okay, the only way I would ever gain respect again for Jeff Bezos is if he <laughs> he says, I'm going to start with 
all of the world's money and I'm going to see if I can trade down to a like a red paperclip. You remember the film Brewster's Millions? Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar, but no. It was an 80s movie about a man who receives like $10 million in inheritance, but he only he only gets to keep the inheritance if he can spend it all in 24 hours. Oh, man. And it's really hard to do. He like buys a baseball team, but the the core conceit of the movie is it's so hard to spend that much money. Um, but it's not. You could spend $10 million today buying like three houses in Texas Hill Country. Right. I mean, the thing to me is like, oh, you have to spend this money. It's like charities exist. Just donate. That That's the thing is like, I, I think the proviso in Brewster's Millions is he couldn't just give it away or give it to charity. Well, buy a charity. There you go. I mean, honestly, the answer is just real estate. Yeah, just invest it. Which, honestly, is probably smarter if you get $10 million. Oh, dude, he had to spend $30 million in 30 days. That's doable. So easy. So easy. Invest it. Yeah, his uncle left him $300 million. To inherit it, he would have to spend $30 million in 30 days. Well, oh wait, so he's going to get, he would get 300 million more? Yeah, he'd get $270 million oh. if he could spend $30 million of it in 30 days. Well, then buy all the shit you want with the the 30 million and then invest all the 27 and just live off that interest. Oh, I could do it. I could do it. I'd get we so watch, many. We should watch Brewster's Millions. I, I, I would buy so many scalped PS5s and then just give them to people. It's got like Richard Pryor and John Candy, and it's good. I I would I would build the greatest PC known to man, <laughs> triple water cooled, and then I uh, would, would build a, a PC that's just in a server rack, <laughs> and then with the rest of the uh, twenty five million, <laughs> you can't you can't put like ten ten thousand in a computer. It's it's not possible. You I mean <laughs> I have. A computer that is a freezer, and it has 18 RTX 2080s SLI together. It is effectively Deep Blue. Yeah, yeah, you would have to build Deep Blue. I could do it. Yeah, I think all of us could do it. It doesn't seem like that really big of a problem, John Candy. That's Richard Pryor. I'm just saying to John Candy, it doesn't seem like a big problem. Yeah, John Candy could blow that all on drugs in a second. Yeah. How did we get on Brewster's Millions from whatever we were talking about? I don't remember. Oh, boy. It's the part of the night and part of the podcast where uh, I I have forgotten everything we just talked about. And I'll be happy to discover it when I edit it. Uh, it is the it is the point in the podcast where I've consumed thirty two ounces of a ten point eight percent alcohol beer. How are you cohesive? Uh, I I drank an eleven point two percent yesterday to prime my prime my engine for this beer. It's really a shame that this is the one I save for the podcast because the other one was like probably one of the tastiest beers i've ever had and i would have loved to have tasted that live on the podcast oh well that's a shame because you tasted the sour one instead 
Yeah, I mean, it was still good. It was still... It's fine. Beer is a dumb hobby. Uh, sponsor us, Jester King. Please, I want bread. We are. We we will. We will. We will rename the podcast. We'll no, he re- won't. Rename the podcast, Jester King. No, he won't. Uh, I will rename myself Jester, and I will rename myself. Oh, King. I really should have chosen King. <laughs> it's, it couldn't have been easier to to not. The only problem easier to get a W out of that one, but I chose to go with Jester. The only problem is uh, the way that we introduce ourselves. I would go first. (laughs) My name is King, and this is uh, Jester, and together we're King Jester. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I changed my child's name to Jester King. Yeah, yeah, I'll name something Jester King for a sponsorship. But yeah, I'd recommend you go to Jester King, get a reservation if you want to get COVID. And they don't even have to pay us. Just send us like, you know, a growler a month. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that's all I want. how much this crowler cost, a growler would actually be a bargain. That's more than we're getting off this podcast anyway. Right. I don't know the differences. I just said a word. So a crowler is a can... Typically 32 fluid ounces. A growler is a big glass canister, typically 64 fluid ounces. Yeah, just like a growler a month. Yeah. We're on the same page. That could be fun. Yeah, we could both split it. No, I meant each. Oh, COVID. Hell yeah. COVID. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be okay with splitting yeah. 64 ounces of 12% beer over four weeks. If it were if it were pre or post COVID, sure we could share a, a growler. But okay, due to Jester COVID, King, this is not a huge. It's not a huge ask. But if you can take us to a time before COVID, <laughs> um, granted, we're not saying don't make COVID happen. It can happen. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're not being unreasonable. I'm just saying. Take us to like two years before COVID. <laughs> COVID's still gonna happen. Why wouldn't we ask them to change it? Just take <laughs> us before COVID. Listen, we'll we'll stop it from happening ourselves. Okay? Oh, good, because our track record is when we go back in time, we fuck up the time stream. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really like to travel, so I don't think we're gonna stop it. <laughs> We're not asking you to not to prevent COVID. Yeah, listen, we get it. COVID's still going to happen. But... Jesus. Oh. Yeah, so just a a growler a month, uh, Jester King. If you could go back in time, could you just, like, peacefully coexist with baby Hitler? (laughs) I don't know if I could bring myself to kill a baby, but here's the thing. This is the thing that I, I don't get... You can wait until he's a man. Yeah, you can wait until he's past the Catholic age of innocence and then murder him. Yeah, he, he didn't become evil until late adulthood. You could kill him in art school or whatever. Yeah, you could enroll in art school with him, see him flunk out of art school, see the change in his eyes, and then see the life leave his eyes as you strangle him with an oil cloth. Yeah, the thing I was like, oh, would you kill him in the crib? It's like, that's completely unnecessary. And I really feel like you just want to kill a baby. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's really pretty binary. Though. Like, could you kill baby Hitler? I'm like, give me like teenage Hitler while he's asleep. 
Yeah, I mean, like, look, we're all assholes when we're teenagers anyway. So, yeah, teenage Hitler in a heartbeat. Like, here's the thing. I think without a doubt, no doubt in my mind, I could kill a baby. And I don't think <laughs> anyone would disagree with me. I and think I, you're physically capable. I don't know if you have the mental fortitude. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's I think that's the crux of the argument is like, oh, could you kill baby Hitler? Because it's like, you know, physically you could, but emotionally, could you? Um, but give me like a young adult, an unaware young adult. I could easily kill most adults if I already knew I was going to kill them. Right. Yeah, you've built it up in your head. This is Hitler after all, so you got to kill him. Yeah, you could prepare. Like, it's easier than you think to kill a person. I mean, it's infinitesimally easy to kill a baby. A person <laughs> should still be fine. I mean, when it comes down to it, like, the human nervous system is so fragile that, like, a shock to it just kind of turns it off. So, like, yeah, it's very easy to kill a person. Yeah, it's like, okay... If, I, if I'm in a situation where I can get a time machine that takes me back to baby Hitler, can you take me back to when, I don't know, adult Hitler was looking out a window? <laughs> right, right. Like, we have these devices. Uh, I don't know if you know. They're called guns. Uh, yeah. they are can you take me back to a point where Hitler was naked, probably <laughs> in a bath? Right. We, we have these, these things. Their only purpose is to end life. And uh, I could take one of those and at any point before he comes into power, just end him. I'm just saying killing a naked, wet racist can't be that much harder than killing a baby. I feel like it's easier to kill a naked, wet racist. I mean, you only have so many defenses if you're like naked in a bathtub. Yeah, you're completely vulnerable, and you're You slick. could have, like, an old German toaster, just throw it in there. <laughs> it was a complete accident. It was a complete accident, uh, Mein Fuhrer? <laughs> yeah, it was like, what happened here? And you say in per perfect English, I don't know, it was an accident, and just you're walk like, away. It was an accident, Mein Fuhrer, and they're like, um, I'm not... <laughs> The Fuhrer, you're like, listen, you don't understand, but German honorifics were really fucked up by that guy, and I don't know anything other than Mein Fuhrer or Hair Doctor. Those are the only two that I know. Is Fraulein okay? I don't know. I'm going back to the future. Um, Hitler's dead. Peace. <laughs> Hitler's dead. Peace. Thank me later. And then you you dab and you disappear. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta punctuate it with a dab and get out of there. Yeah, amazing. How did where did this come from? No idea. All right, I think at this point it's really safe to say. Look, December I feel like is going to be a weird month, um, because it's the end of a weird year. Yeah, this is going to be the. Uh, has been and will continue to be the weirdest period of time any of us have ever lived through, assuming all of us have lived a pretty charmed life in the United States of America. So, uh, buckle up, Buttercup. Yeah, yeah, let's strap in. Uh, do you want to promise right now on air that we'll watch Better Luck tomorrow this weekend and yes. come back with a, a supplemental reading? Because I feel like this will be the 10th time we've done it. Yes, it's got to be this weekend. All right, so this weekend... And remind me. <laughs> no, you remind me. You gotta remind me. I'm not the one who needs reminding here. I mean, you're not the one who needs reminding. You're responsible. I'm not. 
We're gonna I what? We're gonna watch Better Luck Tomorrow and finally see the start of the character whose name I can't even remember right now. Han. Han, thank you. From Fast yes, and the Yes, we will see the start of Han, the start of Justin Lin. It'll be incredible. It's an event to close out the year, leading into, of course, the thing that we typically end the year with, which we will not talk about right now. Right. We still, we, we've got plans. Uh, if you want to start submitting categories that will might go into something, feel free to start submitting categories um, for listeners who have, Long-time listeners, you know what we're talking about. Uh, for new listeners, just send in just categories, whatever you think. Just categories. Just send us categories, and we'll decide what we want to do with them. Just just send them in. Yeah, this is a little juicy tease. And then the people who have been listening for a long time get the meat. So this is – so the people – okay. So the people who have been listening to us for a long time get the big meat. But the people who are new listeners get its little, like, slime trail. <laughs> Gross. Nothing of substance. Long-time listeners, you get the meat. Gross. New listeners, you get the juice. Why? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Just send us categories. That's all you gotta do. Send us categories. Please. Tell, tell them where they can send them. Uh, you... Oh, that really was... Like, it was a really good throw to social media. But the problem with social media is we start with Twitter. That's right. We're on Twitter. If you want to send us a Twitter, ooh, ooh, you can send us a fleet. You know, on Twitter, you can post stories now. Send us a story of a toilet flushing, a fleet of a toilet flushing. Uh, you can do that on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. That stands for Zinda Categories. Please, categories. We have jaundice. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and if you want to send us more categories, longer categories, or secret categories, you can do so to our email to email at zero credits. <laughs> Dot net. I used two twice and was uh, trying to figure out yeah. a way to get out of it. I didn't flow right. But you can send those two there, which is an email address. I promise we are also on Spotify. You can search for zero credit open parentheses S close parentheses on Spotify. I did that myself recently. And guess what? Listener, it works. We are on Apple Podcasts. Search for Zero Credits Podcast in the Apple Podcast search bar, and you'll see us. A great way for people to learn about the show is for you to like, comment, and subscribe, and hit that notification bell to hear when a new video gets uploaded. I'm just kidding. Uh, comment and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Apparently, that's a platform that people use. However... The most important way people can learn about the podcast is if you gather your closest COVID-tested friends together and you put a COVID test swab in your nose and then you stick the end of that COVID test swab into their nose and then there's like a human centipede of COVID test swabs and then you all communicate and cough silently about Zero Credits podcast. That's right. 
word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And I think that's it. I think you you nailed it all. And if you didn't, I'll find out later. Everybody's got two nostrils, so I think the math there makes sense. This is a moment where I'm panicking because I have no idea what you're referencing. <laughs> like when you put... So imagine a COVID test swab has a swab on each end. Mm-hmm. And you're like, put the swab up your nose and put the other end up someone else's oh, nose. And they like, do the same nostril to nostril to nostril. Lady in the Tramp COVID test. Yeah, Lady in the Tramp human centipede COVID test. Right, right. Great. Is a Amazing. dog's mouth more similar to a human's butthole than a human's mouth is similar to a dog's butthole? And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Home Studios Studios, we want to wish you a happy week. Bye. Goodbye. want to get to the bottom of this dog mouth human mouth butthole mouth thing (laughs) oh no dog mouths are antiseptic we know that and human mouths certainly aren't because i get bitten by a guy and it got infected (laughs) but have you ever been bitten by a butthole